The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And uh, I'm going to remember this time to uh, remind everybody, get your pen and paper ready, because I know that without fail, our host, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Philip Forsberg's going to tell you something that you didn't know, and you're going to want to write it down. So get ready for that. Good afternoon, Phil. How are you doing? I'm well, David. How about yourself? Can't complain at all, other than if you stand outside, you might get a little damp. But with that being said, we uh, always start our veteran shows off with a moment of silence, uh, thinking about our veterans and our also our EMTs and our first responders of all sorts and those that are on active duty right now. So we'll take a moment and... Uh, and we'll be right back in one minute. Thank you, and it's always good to remember our veterans, and uh, that's what this show is all about, remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and it's always amazing to me the number of people that uh, don't remember them, and uh, that's why we do the show. With that being said, we, we always want to make sure that everybody's blood is flowing and up and going and Anybody that serves knows what this is all about. Okay, we all feel good after that. And that's the way we get started, and that's the way that uh, everybody that serves knows that uh, it's that last quarter mile when a Jody comes in very handy and gives you that just little extra pump, and you can make it, and uh, you look at your buddy and high-five, and you're on your way. So, I bet you never had that, did you, Phil? Uh, yeah, I needed, I needed motivation, uh, just like everybody else. <laughs> uh, especially, uh, there's a, there's a little hill over there at, uh, at Fort Benning near Lawson Army Airfield, um, that we used to run up, uh, when I went through infantry school. 
at the end of about a six or seven mile run, we'd go up this hill, and it, it was just known as Heart Attack Hill. It wasn't that it wasn't that impressive, but at the end of six or seven miles, uh, it was uh, really you needed some motivation to get up there. Yes, sir. And uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but I I I respect the military. For the programs that they have put together, and they come up with, um, you know, if you if you have a need like a Jody, and they know when to pull out that Jody and get it going, and and motivate the folks, and you know, it, it's just everything that the military does. Or I, I say everything, most everything. Uh, there's a rhyme and a reason to it, and. Uh, it may take us, like in my case, it took me years to realize some of the the rhymes and the reasons. But once you do, you say, okay, I understand that. I understand why they wanted us to do that and uh, the purpose that it served. So that's uh, the military has had a lot of training in it, and uh, they know what they're doing. So. Well, and. You know, David, uh, on that note, we also, um, you know, we've, we've made a lot of, uh, mistakes and failures and, uh, it's, it's just good to be able to learn from your mistakes and failures. And so, uh, you know, we've lost a lot of men over the years. And so, uh, you know, you got to pay attention to, uh, what the gray heads are, uh, have ordered in your training, uh, because, well, you know, they say the, uh, the old saying in the army, if, uh, the, the more I sweat in training, the less I'll bleed in combat. I hadn't heard that in a long time, but I do remember that. And, uh, and it's so true. And, you know, I guess, I guess one of the hardest things for anybody to do is um, when that drill sergeant says drop it, you drop it. And to learn to to uh, how fast you can hit the ground, but there's a purpose, there's a reason. And uh, you don't want to find out, you don't want to be having your head sticking up, looking around saying, why do we need to drop it here? So... Anyway, yeah. uh, the the military they obviously haven't done everything right, but I would I would give them they've done more right than they have wrong, and uh, we have you know the what I'm always amazed at is no man left behind and the actions that we go through as a as a military as the United States to save every soldier there and I can't I think we do the best job in the world and I always uh, salute our dust off pilots they're incredible they got more guts than brains and they uh, they don't seem to stop for anything going after a wounded soldier. And uh, 
They've done, over the years, they've done a heck of a job. Yeah, everybody loves stuff off pilot and, and the crews of their planes. And, you know, on that note, David, I'll uh, say, we should say a prayer for the uh, families of those uh, nine soldiers uh, from the 101st Airborne Division over in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, that uh, they perished in a training accident this past week. I didn't realize it was nine, but I I had heard about it, but I didn't have all the details on it. But you're right, absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it comes back down to whether you're in combat or in training, you've raised your hand to give it your all. And that's what they were doing. Yeah. Um, You know, whether it's, you know, being out on the open sea or, um, you know, uh, flying dangerous missions or, you know, just operating your equipment in combat or, or in peacetime training for combat. It's, um, it's a sobering thing. It's, a, it's very, can be very dangerous in peacetime or wartime. Oh, no, you know, no question about that. And, uh, and this is again something that really rakes me the wrong way is that so many people don't understand that and um, you know they don't understand how when you've raised your hand and say protect and defend that you're writing the biggest check ever whether you're a a police officer or a soldier, you're writing the ultimate check. And uh, anyway, so much for that. And uh, we uh, we look. Sometimes we overlook our military and the importance of having a strong military, uh, a very strong military. Uh, I, well, we won't even get into that. So, is, is this time of the year, what was, uh, what would you say about it as far as like, uh, your, your preparations when you were in the Middle East and, uh, it wasn't probably to have a big ham sandwich on this Sunday, but, uh, might have been. And, uh, how were your fellow officers and, uh, your troops, were they ready for Easter and looking forward to it? Well, I certainly was, David, and I'll tell you why. Uh, because it was Easter Sunday, the 1st of April of, uh, 20, of, ni- of 1991, 32 years ago, that, uh, I got back together with my family. Oh, that's... Uh, uh, so I, I, Returned to Fort Hood, Texas from, uh, from our deployment. And, uh, I still had a great deal, uh, to accomplish, but, uh, <clears throat> uh, that, that chapter, I could start, you know, getting the sand out of my, uh, ears and hair, um, get back to, uh, just get, a, a just getting plain old Texas dirt. 
Yeah, yeah. I think they call it, uh, or they call it caliche. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, what they call the, the soil around Fort Hood. That's you the, could uh, possibly dig a foxhole in it. That's the uh, red clay that that they call caliche, and I'm yes. And once you've driven over a million miles with a tanker or a, a track, <laughs> it turns into powder. And uh, yeah, but that's good old Fort Hood, one of the biggest, and uh, they would argue one of the best. And uh, isn't it the Eisenhower Hospital that they have there? Eisenhower Army Medical Center is in Augusta, Georgia, near Fort Gordon. Uh, no, uh, Fort Hood has Darnell Army Community Hospital, or at least they did years ago when I was there. Pretty yeah. sure they still Okay. Did. I, I was getting my two forts mixed up. I, I spent, <laughs> I spent glorious times at both of them, but, uh, anyway, I, sp- I spent enough time at Fort Hood that, uh, uh, the dust finally got to me, and and people would be amazed at how hard it is to march, or if you have to double time in that dust, and you you sink down like you're in quicksand almost, which it's not, but it just uh, there's so much powder there, and if you're taking a trail or or a a real a well-worn track. People know what I'm talking about. If you've been there, you know yeah. exactly. Well, I can recall flying helicopters over Fort Hood and and my Mohawk, and uh, for miles away, you you could pick out a a, uh, a formation of tanks just from the uh, the dust they were kicking up. <laughs> uh, pretty easy to see. And uh, we, having started out in Cobras, which were anti-tank helicopters uh, at the time, and, um, we always queued on those dust trails that we saw coming up. The, the good place to go hunting, sort of like the uh, years ago, I went fishing out in the Gulf of Mexico, caught uh, mahi mahi, and uh, I asked the guide, "How in this big ocean? How do you find these fish?" He said, I look for these birds that are circling over where the big fish are. And uh, if I find those birds circling, I know there's mahi feeding on the big fish in there somewhere. Hmm. So that's, a, that's how we spotted columns of tanks or, or vehicles moving down the road just from the dust trail. And I'm sure they were putting off a big one. And the other thing that both... Uh, both Fort Hood and Garden are, in my opinion, anyway, uh, I had the pleasure of sleeping outside. It was one big campground for, for when I was there. But they also, both of them also enjoy lighting the skies up at night with their flares. And, uh, oh yeah, the illumination rounds. Sure. Yeah. And uh, you'd you'd hear that muffled pop, and then a few seconds are it's sort of like thunder and lightning, you know, or lightning and thunder. Yeah. You'd you'd hear the pop. Yeah, except, uh, sure, but the lightning's gone in a flash. Those uh, illuminate.
elimination rounds, they hang up in the sky for a good long time. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you're just you're you're excited about well, this one should be over with, and just about the time it's over with, there goes another one. Uh, this is this is all the fun and games that people that haven't served uh, they've missed out on. They don't know what they're and and eating off a steel tray in a thunderstorm. You don't know when you're yep. going to become a lightning rod. I've eaten, I've eaten many a meal uh, uh, using my as a dining table the, the fender of a two and a half ton truck. A deuce and a half. That's what we called it, a deuce and a half. Um, you know, David, I'd like to talk to you today about something that uh, you said, <clears throat> ask people to get pencils ready and uh, to learn something new and interesting about uh, Desert Storm. There's an operation that went on within Desert Shield and Desert Storm uh, at I would uh, venture to say many of your listeners do not know about, and it was called Operation Desert Owl. Hmm. No, I haven't heard of that. Well, uh, I'd invite you know the the uh, listeners to go research Operation Desert Owl. <clears throat> no. You gotta, uh, make sure you're not looking up things on Desert Owl, the, uh, the intelligence system that is being used. That's something they, they come up with, uh, defense contra- contractor made for the Army. Um, <clears throat> but you want to look for Operation Desert Owl. And, uh, this was, uh, something that, uh, our Army come up with, um, because of uh, the need for Arabic linguists. Um, we, you know, in my unit, being an intelligence unit, um, we, you know, the aircraft that I flew in my company were, um, uh, they did imagery intelligence and they did uh, radars, but they did not do uh signals intelligence, more specifically communications intelligence, um, where you're actually dealing with uh, spoken language. And so um, we did have a sister unit. Uh, I was in A company. B company had guardrail aircraft, and they needed uh, linguists for uh, to sit on what they call position in the intercept facility and uh, do translation and net analysis of the uh, communications that were being intercepted. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, our unit was uh, all geared up for war in uh, Eastern Europe. So we had Russian and Polish and Czech and German linguists, but we did not have Arabic linguists. So what do you do? when suddenly overnight you need some high-speed linguists, uh, well, <clears throat> it's in, uh, you know, in a specialty language like Arabic, uh, and uh, what they found was, you know, remember, Kuwait had been invaded by Saddam Hussein, his army went in there, 
tore through the place and uh, killed the men and raped the women and kidnapped the babies and murdered and plundered uh, in a most uh, undisciplined fashion. And uh, there were, at the time, uh, hundreds of Kuwaiti nationals, uh, young men of military age that were also college age, and they were going to college in the United States. So their uh, their Arabic skills were native, uh, and their um, their English skills were uh, sufficient to be college students in the United States. So uh, they had these critical skills. Uh, now, when they came to us, the, I guess the first group was about 300 uh, of Kuwaiti young men. Uh, and I pro- we probably had about five or six of them, maybe as many as ten, uh, that came to our battalion. And, uh, <clears throat> and these folks got there in January of, uh, 1991. And, uh, we were really getting ready to start, uh, throwing down with the, uh, with the Iraqis. These guys were able to, um, not only speak Arabic, but they were very familiar with the uh, Iraqi dialect or accent of the Arabic language. Because Kuwait, of course, is adjacent to Iraq, so they had plenty of dealing with Iraqis in the past. And they um, they also uh, were able to distinguish the Palestinians. There were a great number of Palestinians in Kuwait uh, at the time of the invasion, and the and the, uh, the Palestinians uh, basically provided the manual labor there in, uh, in Kuwait. And uh, many of them uh, went over to the Iraqi side and, uh, you know, assisted the Iraqis. But some of the Palestinians also uh, remained sort of faithful to, uh, to the nation of Kuwait. Uh, and so there was uh, a real need for these linguists to be able to go in and uh, separate out the Iraqis from the Palestinians, the, the friendly Palestinians from the uh, enemy Palestinians, and uh, also uh, for interrogation of uh, Iraqi prisoners. And so uh, over the time, they sent uh, many more uh, uh, young Kuwaiti men to come and, and assist, but prior to that, uh, we just had the folks sitting on our um, our positions and doing translation for us, and they were very, very good uh, at what they did. And I can still remember the day after uh, we had uh, liberated Kuwait and uh, drove the uh, the Iraqis out. Um, uh, I was uh, I landed at uh, King Khalid Military City on my way up to uh, up to do a mission, and uh, they uh, told me that I had just missed the uh, the Emir of Kuwait. His plane had just landed there, refueled, and they were taking him back into Kuwait. So after that, uh, there was kind of a kind of a tearful ceremony we had with the. Uh, with our Kuwaiti language, and they uh, said goodbye to us, thanked us for coming and 
of driving the enemy out of their nation. And uh, I, I, if you could look at my uh, boonie hat that I had, the chocolate chip pattern boonie hat that I have from Desert Storm, it's got um, some uh, signatures in Arabic and some well-wishing, uh, you know, God bless you, thank you, uh, things like that uh, that were written on my on my hat by these guys. Um, it was it was quite something. But so I would encourage people to go look up uh, Operation Desert Owl, and uh, they'll find a little-known part of uh, Desert Storm. On on that note, let's take a break. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday, 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And, uh, you know, it's it's so interesting uh, about what you were talking about, Phil, about the language. And uh, it had to be a challenge for our language that could speak enough Arabic that they could do their recruiting. And um, I assume that you didn't have many of the uh, young men volunteering to become uh, uh, language for us, but uh, we, we must add some good recruiters to bring those gentlemen in. And uh, I guess uh, our records would have given us information on them as far as if they had been in the United States in school that we could have found them. How did we find them, actually? Phil. Uh, yeah, I'm here, David. I just had to unmute myself. Um, the word went out from the, uh, from the Kuwaiti Embassy uh, here in the U.S., uh, to colleges for all the Kuwaitis. I guess, you know, most of the folks had registered with the, with the embassy, you know, when they came to the U.S. And they were notified of the need. Uh, for what I was able to determine uh, from, from my reading on Desert Owl was, um, and until recently I didn't know the name of the operation was actually Desert Owl, um, but uh, when, when these troops came to us, these young men, they all uh, wore uh, U.S. Army uniform, uh, and they had the rank of E-5. Uh, they all had an interim top-secret clearance that had been awarded them. And 
they were, um, but what I read is that they were actually inducted into the Kuwaiti arm, army, uh, for this. So I'm not sure exactly why they were wearing U.S. Army, uh, uniforms, but, uh, you know, we didn't have much time to get things ready and get together, get things together. Uh, but the, every one of them was a volunteer. And, you know, they had, they knew that their, their homes had been, uh, raided. Uh, many of them had lost loved ones. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were, hostile Iraqi soldiers living in their houses and they uh, it didn't take much to get them to volunteer I don't think uh, to serve uh, and uh, sometime I'd like to maybe do a reunion with these guys and see uh, you know what uh, how, how, what they found when they went back and how, how they remember their time serving with the US Army um, they were, uh, they were an excellent asset to, uh, to our forces and, um, they provided fantastic, uh, uh, services in, in translation. Do you, uh, happen, so, happen to keep track of any of them? I don't, but you know what? I, I think I might, uh, want to make, um, an effort to try to reach out and maybe have a reunion with those guys. So maybe we could have a reunion at Fort Devens, Massachusetts, or Fort Dix, where they train, uh, or even Goodfellow Air Force Base. They train some of them there. Uh, I'd rather do that than <clears throat> uh, go back to the sandbox to have a reunion with them. But it might be interesting. Oh, I think it'd be fascinating. And, uh, you know, where they stand today and what their feelings are today is obviously as compared to then, but, uh, you know, the Middle East, I don't think the Middle East will ever be settled in any shape, form, or fashion. It, you always have somebody pulling something over there, it seems like. And uh, yeah. the Saudis aren't a friend of the U.S. right now, that's for sure. There's a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot of reasons for which I don't really blame them. Uh, you know, we we uh, we hadn't been too good to them in our current administration. That's um, <laughs> that would probably be. I don't want to say an understatement, but certainly a correct statement. And, um, you know, I would venture to say, and you, you certainly can answer this better than I can even ask it, but of all the problems that the United States has had over the years through World War One, World War II, Korea, every, every war, everything... And not just during war, it's also during peacetime as well, is that it would seem to me that we've always asked them to follow us, and we've never, you know, and, and when I say follow us, you learn English and we'll talk to you. Um, 
we never came back and said, we'll learn so-and-so and, and uh, communicate. And we've always been a, a very proud country, but I think in many ways our pride may have gotten in our way of being friends, and our pride may have gotten in the way of understanding that we... We didn't understand the French. In fact, we really didn't understand the English. And we've never had a good understanding of any of our enemies and our, our allies. And um, just like you said, uh, current administration has been pretty bad to a lot of countries. And for this reason, we we get what we pay for. Uh, you know, we had uh, under Donald Trump, we uh, hamstrung the uh, Iranian nuclear program, and uh, we were working out peace accords, the Abraham Accords, with uh, with Arab nations and Israel, and uh, things were moving in a, in a very good direction, and then. Uh, uh, current administration decided to declare war on petroleum, which uh, the Saudis were not too happy about, and then um, and then to start up and arm the, uh, or enable, facilitate the uh, Iranian nuclear program to get it right back on track, and, you know, I don't, I think the, uh, the Saudis probably rightly uh, perceived a, uh, an eclipse of American uh, influence around the world and uh, the rise of uh, Chinese influence and uh, decided, well, we'll just let the Chinese broker this. And, you know, if Iran's going to have nukes, then we should probably learn to get along with it. Um, so it's, it's quite quite amazing to me that the development that uh, has ensued. Amazing and troublesome to say the least. And uh, I we're we're not we're not in good shape anywhere today and it's and there's there's no denying it's this administration they can blame a former administration. They can blame Santa Claus. But the facts are clear. This administration really has no idea what they're doing. And I don't think they've had an idea what they're doing from the very get-go. And it's uh, it's a shame, but facts are facts. And uh, they, they really don't like facts. But... Uh, it's something that facts uh, are stubborn things, um, you know. And now we find that uh, the the number one nationality of criminal invaders violating our southern border these days now uh, are coming from communist China, and it is nothing but human trafficking. Um, and uh, this is. Uh, this is encouraged by the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, the 
Mexican government is uh, complicit in this, or, uh, cooperating with the with the drug cartels. Um, they seem to have a tenuous grip on uh, on their governing governing of the nation of, of Mexico. It's really quite sad, um, and a very unhappy thing for the citizens that you know law-abiding citizens of Mexico uh, about it. I mean, we do have a, a million people crossed our borders in fiscal year 2023 so far. Uh, you know, came in illegally. Um, that, you know, that I know a little bit about logistics, David, and um, this is not something that uh, is ad hoc. There is a great deal of coordination going on to make this happen. So it's, it's quite sad. It's quite telling uh, what's happening. Oh, I have. This has been planned and being planned for years, 50 years or better. And, uh, you know, the the difference between the United States and most countries, particularly uh, Middle Eastern countries, is one word, and that's called patience. Uh, and the communists, they have the patience to will wait until tomorrow, and when we're ready, then that's when we'll go. Whereas America... Wants it done yesterday. We we've grown up like that that we expect we expect to be able to say jump and somebody else say it says how high. You know, Phil, I want to ask you. I I was thinking about this last night and uh, the problems that we have and the problems that we have with our fellow Americans in many cases and the situations that we have delivered ourselves into today but and it may sound crazy but this is one thing that you know the people that hate Trump and hate the United States they've got one thing in common they can't stand success and Trump, no matter what somebody thinks about him, he was a very successful president. And I think this drives the left wing of politics absolutely crazy when there's success. And if it's on a state level, uh, I think Abbott, if, if Texas didn't have Abbott, uh, the whole country of Mexico would be in, in the U.S. And they don't know, the left wing doesn't seem to know how to accept and act under success. Am I crazy? But, well, but David, you know, it's not Mexico that would empty into the United States. There's plenty of Mexicans that are happy to live in Mexico. It's all these other countries that are transiting Mexico to get to our country. And, um, you know, Mexico has very strict immigration law. Oh, yeah. You can't yeah. just, 
you just can't go in there. You wind up in jail uh, if you go in there illegally. And yet, um, so many people are just passing right through. It's got to be with the complicity of, of the Mexican government, if not the orchestration. And now, you know, we see that the Chinese are putting more people through than anybody, any other country. So it's a little obvious that, uh, that the Chinese uh, government itself is uh, working in orchestration with the, um, with the Mexicans and uh, all to violate our sovereignty. You know, that's China's uh, payback to us for their colonization that occurred over centuries. Uh, colonization by uh, Western powers, not so much the United States, but the French, the Germans, the Portuguese, the Spanish, uh, the British, of course. Um, and so now we're, we're getting the payback from communist uh, Chinese I think they are strategically placing people across the United States and there will be one signal given and we'll have a different world. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, of course, now uh, we see again the uh, the leftists in the U.S. are uh, pushing as hard as they can for uh, the confiscation of everybody's uh, firearm. And uh, the, the uh, uh, if, you know, anybody were to try to uh, come and take over the United States, uh, I think they'd be kicking a hornet's nest uh, because we're not disarmed. And uh, our Constitution says that we will not be disarmed. If we can keep the left away from the Constitution. Uh, well, you know, we need, we need to be shoving it in their face every chance we get. And we need to be, you know, backing them down with that Constitution. Uh, because they certainly hate that document. Yeah, the First and Second Amendment. But, yeah. you know, we're, we're very fortunate, and I've said this and I'll say it again, we're very fortunate to have a wonderful group of veterans that know what it means to raise your right hand, and, you know, the ones that are coming back, coming off of active duty now, uh, they know what it means, and, you know, I I look at it like it may be our only hope. I don't know, but uh, we're, this would be a good time to take a break, and uh, we'll come back with Philip Forsberg talking about remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm, and uh, I love your examples, Phil. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. 
Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And believe it or not, it is designed just for you. And that's why we we run programs that no other station in the nation runs. And a lot of those are uh, veteran programs. And just like, why do we run a program on remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm? Well, it's very easy because it's very hurtful in my case and, and in Phil's case. If, um, you know... Phil served in country and risked his life for all of us. And to not remember what, why he was there is appalling. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, there are so many students and teachers for that matter that have already forgotten and, and it's not even written in the history books about why we went to the Middle East, and why we fought for Kuwait, and what had happened to Kuwait that caused us to go there. And and this is a shame, and this is a shame that our schools and our government are not putting out truthful information and books, because I'll let... Phil's the historian. I'll let him fill in the gap. If you don't remember history, Phil, what what are you in for? Yeah, you're destined to repeat it. And there are many things that we don't want to repeat from our past. Right. And, you know, we were talking earlier, David, about, you know, the Army learning from mistakes and, you know, we do things because we do things the way we do things, and we've always done it that way. You know, if you go back, you might find we didn't always do it that way, but one of the real successes of our military is something that uh, is called the after-action review. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a method of, of let's, let's sit down, let's look at what happened, why it happened. Was it a good thing? Was it a bad thing? What did we learn? Uh, if it was a bad thing, 
how can we prevent it from happening again? And if it was a good thing, you know, how do we ensure that it will happen again? Um, so there's a lot, uh, there's a lot that can be learned if you will sit down and, and take a, an honest look at yourself and how you performed, critique yourself and, you know, try to figure out what are the lessons we've learned from this and, uh, uh, you know, and that, that's what builds our success. You know, and I think the after action review is one of the, uh, one of the most important things and it, and it gives the commanding officer an opportunity to look at his folks, at his men, and on a somewhat individual basis. If somebody says, well, so-and-so screwed up and they went left instead of going right, or, uh, you know, the whoever set the flags out didn't set them in the right places or with the right information or whatever the case might be, but it gives... It gives the top a good way to look at everybody below them. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I can recall um, listening to uh, General Schwarzkopf, who happened to be there with us in Operation Desert Storm. He was fairly much at the top as the combatant commander there. A uh, wonderful fella, and I, I had an opportunity to meet him in Tampa, Florida, years after he retired, uh, but he's since passed away. Uh, but, you know, uh, and I, I could have taken this personally, uh, his, his critique of the, of the intelligence was that the intelligence estimates that he received um, could have supported any outcome. In other words, as as a commander, he turns to his intelligence staff and he wants to know, is the enemy going to attack, defend, withdraw? You know, what can I expect the enemy to do? And uh, his complaint was that the uh, it, they were so uh, equivocating in their um, analysis that uh, basically said, well, they might do any of those things, you know, uh, fearing, fearing the, uh, chance of being wrong. And, uh, I could have taken that as part of the intelligence, uh, operation. I could have taken some offense at that, but I didn't because what, <clears throat> what we were providing was, uh, intelligence information, right? We, we were telling them, where the enemy is, what he's doing, you know, what he's talking about, what times of day he moves, um, and, you know, where his main supply route, thing, and those are all 100% accurate. But uh, as far as the uh, analysis staff and, and prediction, uh, that was uh, severely lacking. Uh, that's kind of my uh, view of... Uh, Military intelligence at the time when I was uh, uh, doing it, they seemed to be sort of, um, you know, the worst thing that can happen is 
you know, to be wrong. Um, but, you know, uh, that guy going over the top, that guy going over the berm there and uh, way into, uh, you know, into the burning oil fields and all, he, you know, he doesn't have, <clears throat> he doesn't have the time uh, or the luxury of uh, trying to determine uh, if they can uh, weasel out of accountability for uh, some particular uh, course of action he may have pursued. So, um, very little sympathy for those who, you know, the, the folks who want to equivocate all the time sort of remind me of uh, uh, the folks in Washington and, the, you know, the uh, they've they've got to at all times uh, cover their <clears throat> hindquarters, and um, it's uh, it's a little tiresome after a while. Well, you know, ultimately they get found out, and uh, you know, it's uh, when you were serving. Uh, I guess I guess it's human instinct to try to cover your tail, but uh, ultimately you get found out, and in most, if not all, cases, it's better to address the issue than to run from it or lie about it. Uh, that's been my experience, anyway. That it you uh, you can run, but you can't hide. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and these folks, you know, the commanders, they know you don't have a crystal ball. Just give me your best guess of what's going to happen. And if you're wrong, you're wrong, right? I mean, but you think about somebody like, um, somebody like, uh, Eisenhower, when, uh, you know, on the eve of the, uh, of, uh, Operation Overlord, the invasion of Europe, uh, Normandy landings. He wrote, uh, he wrote a complete, um, letter of, uh, accepting all the blame for, uh, the failure of the operation. You know, he, he was ready. Uh, he was rolling the dice, you know, uh, that, uh, that this was going to work. If it didn't work, uh, he didn't want the blame to go to anybody else but himself. And, uh, it was, um, you know, that, that's the kind of leadership that you can respect. Um, it puts me in mind of my hero, William Tecumseh Sherman. Uh, after the first day of the Battle of Shiloh, they had taken a, uh, a pretty bad beating and, uh, the Union Army did and, and, uh, you know, Grant, went to Sherman and said, you know, well, you know, it was a pretty bad day. Sherman just looked at him and said, yeah, well, we'll lick him tomorrow. And, uh, they went on and did that. You know, you gotta, you gotta pick up the pieces that you got and, and move on and, and, you know, as we used to say in the infantry, move out and draw fire. Um, that's the job. And that's a tough thing to say sometimes, you know. But yeah. it's uh, 
that's what it's all about. Nobody ever said it was going to be easy. And and if it were, we wouldn't have the military that we have today. And I think that's uh, one of the most important things that we can look at and accomplish is that we have the greatest and it's been passed on from generation to generation of you know what we can do and if and it's a shame to be in the position that we're in today because of our leadership or lack thereof but you know I I live by what Reagan said peace through strength and there is so much truth to that you know it's it's just Every word of it's right. Peace through strength. And people respect strength. And uh, anyway, that's that's where we are. I tell you what, we're going to have to close it down. I've let it run a little bit over, but that's always okay. And uh, Philip, thank you for today. And I look forward to having another Pencil and paper ready for next week. Thank you, David. Thank you, sir. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.